0: Welcome to the Good, Bad, Mad podcast, a show that's here to share the ins and outs of creative careers, connecting the aspirational with the experienced, with your host, me, Meg Ellis. Our guest for this episode is Anna Fleischler, an Olivier Award-winning stage and costume designer for theatre, opera and dance. She's designed for Everybody's Talking About Jamie, Home I'm Darling, and many, many more. She is also heavily involved in the movement Scene Change, which we shall discuss today, along with what it takes to be a designer. Enjoy. Thank you so much for agreeing to be a part of this and allowing us into your yeah. lovely studio. So, here on The Good Bad Mad, we're all about learning the ins and outs of creative professionals and Their careers, so should we start at the very beginning? And for those who are just gleaming insight into what the theatre industry is, what does a stage designer do?
1: <laughs> um, oh god, a lot. <laughs> so, I whenever someone asks me that, you think, god, oh, it's gonna be a long answer, yeah. But, um, and I do set so stage and costume, which mm-hmm. is quite common in this country not it is. so common other countries like in the states you yeah. usually yeah do one or the other obviously you kind of everything that you see on stage mm-hmm. whether it is you know the the kind of the set the backgrounds, the furniture the clothes whatever every everything visual like that mm-hmm. would have been designed by the designer and overseeing the kind of so you design it you oversee the making of it you know you work with the actors in the costume you work with many different departments Mm -hmm. um, on the set side Um, but I think what I find really exciting about the job and I think quite often people don't realize as part of it is that um you're actually the first one to start working on a project because of the yeah because of the timeline how long it takes to make things mm-hmm. and to cost things so i quite often start several months before anyone else starts which means that actually as a designer you're very heavily involved in coming up with a concept with an idea for a show you know with um how you're going to approach it what's the um what's the style what's the kind of vision of it is it period do you keep it in period you Mm. not keep it in period they're all decisions that ideas that designers come up with very often and obviously decisions are made with the director you share with the director it can vary sometimes a director might have an idea already and then you work along that Mm -hmm. and sometimes you might start totally on your own and and you present your ideas to the director, and if they like it, they'll run with it right. Um, so that in a way is the kind of the, the birth of it all and mm. and the biggest part of it because it very much re- all rests on your shoulders. Well, I guess so and um yeah, and then you know your design process is is very exciting. I really mm-hmm. like it. <laughs> and um, it's very much you being on your own um in your studio, mm. um you know drawing, researching. You make a model, one to twenty-five model for set, so a miniature of what um, it's meant to be. Mm. So you out, make out, all of wood, out all of- different materials. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of card. But then, at the moment, we, we use. A, I use a lot of laser cutting because that's more precise. Mm-hmm. Obviously, three printing, three <laughs> D printing has come in, and so you need to make everything that needs to be made and in in kind of miniature three D version. Okay. Which is really, really useful. I mean, it's useful for us, I think, to see things three-dimensional. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of directors are not very good at kind of envisaging things from the 2D. So they understand right. it better if it's 3D. Because it's spatial, obviously. Mm. You can kind of move things around. You understand the, the kind of distance between things. Yeah. But then I always find that building a really good model helps me a lot later. Because if you have a very good model and you take that to the workshop... Which will be building things. Mm-hmm. You have a lot less work in c- having to explain what exactly it is that you want, so there's okay. less there's less room for error, okay. and so you you do this is what you do um, on the set side. You also need to make technical drawings, so everything um, you know, like in um, similar to architects, right. I guess. And on the costume side, obviously, it's a kind of yeah. uh, kind of thing about uh, you know drawing, developing those things, and then you supervise the making of it.
0: Right, so when you're starting out, well, possibly even before the directors come on board, you've read the play? Yes. And you've kind of got these ideas starting to go around in your head about possibilities of what it would look like. And then do you draft something up before... Um, and present it to the director before doing all the model making yes yeah and I mean it varies I'm sure that every designer's got different way of doing it Mm.
1: Um, I feel that most of the time I couldn't even tell you I was doing the same thing every time so it depends a little bit what the story is and you know the first read is really important to me and I really need to have enough space for it and let it kind of just live in my head for a bit Mm. and then I kind of usually really try in my head to break up what I think the story is and what is at the core of it what's the bit that I think I want to tell that might sometimes Mm. not be the obvious story you know might be an underlying thing or what's the underlying emotion or um, and then I will sometimes first just talk with the director just chat Mm. and share those thoughts then I do a lot of research visual research Mm. and again that sometimes can be very uh, one-to-one, one-to-one and practical as in it's set in a pub somewhere yeah. and you research pubs but it can also be quite open and random you know.
0: I guess um, it depends if you're doing naturalism or you're going for something more abstract. Yes
1: but sometimes you know you find you find things like when I did Death of a Salesman recently the first thing mm. I did is try and find images that for me represent what it feels like when you have certain mental conditions what would it feel like if you're really disorientated or the world you can't bring the outside world together with the world in your head you know what 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 visualizes that Mm. sensation that that kind of emotional state and so it doesn't that could be a landscape or a portrait or an abstract piece of art so it's kind of finding these things and then in that journey I sometimes all of a sudden find the thing where I go like that's really interesting right. you know, maybe it's all about kind of harsh lights or mm. angles or you know so quite, quite often my journey into it is like that so mm. it's it's more abstract than, um, than necessarily having to do with the locations mm. but again the way how you might later portray it to me anyway is all part of that journey so I don't, I, I'm sure if you kind of look through my work, you couldn't say, oh, she was it's na- does naturalistic stuff, or yeah. it's always abstract or whatever, because I don't think in theatre that's the answer. Mm. It's, you know, it's it's about expressing each piece individually, and the yeah. answer
0: to that, uh, you know. So those themes within the text are really quite crucial to you, your really process. They're really
1: crucial, yeah. And sometimes, like, um, you know, I've worked with Martin McDonagh a few times, mm. and his Text, a kind of interesting juxtaposition, Mm. and a lot of the humor happens because of that juxtaposition. Do you mean if you Mm. then
0: abstract it, it's actually not, you know, um, it it wouldn't quite work the same way. Yes, yeah, Yeah. I
1: think so. It wouldn't support it in the same way.
0: So that going through the text at the beginning—that's a really crucial part. You're taking things out part by part, and then you come up with your. I guess initial design concepts. Concept. yes
1: and so the first thing I do is a concept folder usually as in it's okay. purely just images so mm-hmm. I call it concept um, research mm-hmm. and then that would be the first thing I share with the director mm-hmm. talking about how I think that might possibly transfer into mm-hmm. something physical
0: right and so that will be- we'll have some sketches maybe a color palette that kind of thing yeah,
1: mood boards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that kind of thing. And then and then my next step would be um, sometimes I make a rough model mm-hmm. that is really rough as in <laughs> I just use old bits of model box or whatever. Just kind of <laughs> shapes, you know. And then the first official step in the process of making a set design is called a white card model mm-hmm. and all that all the white card stands for really is that it's a model that is quite close already to what you want the set to be but it doesn't necessarily have finishes on it okay so you know it doesn't have to be you know the floor doesn't have to be lo- looking like wood or mm-hmm. whatever sometimes that that isn't made out of white cards sometimes mm-hmm. it lends itself better to make out of black card yeah. But it's it's plain it's more about shapes and functionality not yet about detail mm.
0: I guess mm. you have to think about the practicalities as well as like where are the actors going to be enter- entering the stage, exiting the stage all of that
1: and yeah. how how do they enter, mm. exit, you know sometimes the energy of how you want people to come on will mm. determine why you for example have you know in, in, in Hangman I had a I had a kind of double swing door right? and that was all about you know in the text it feels like the people from the outside world are just kind of like bolt in That's you know very and the dramatic. interesting thing is like whoa you know there's this kind of uh, there's a newcomer yeah. you know and you need that newcomer to be quite sudden and mm. a bit and we actually in the original set door had a creak in it and, and the sound designer yeah. ended up recording it and mm. that became quite a big thing of it that there's always that creak of the door mm. when they come in so they're yeah, they're all things that you consider how people come and go off, how many there mm. are, what the scene changes are like. You yeah. know, if if something is moving, how can it move and who moves it? Mm. And obviously, at that point, I would have already had to really study the, the theatre, mm. the possibilities of that theatre. Can you fly things? You know, how wide right. is the sight? You know, are the wings? Yeah. You know, how deep is the backstage? Um, has it got traps in the floor? Can you bring something up from below? They're all, they're all things, you know, they're all kind of specifications that you need to yeah. learn, find out. Also, you obviously have been given a budget. So, you know, um, and that kind of gets easier with experience to mm. kind of have a bit of a kind of understanding of whether you're roughly. Yeah. Within, you know. well, is, it, is it quite
0: tricky? I mean, if if you go into something and you have all these amazing grand ideas... And then suddenly the budget doesn't allow it, and you have to shrink yes. them. Is that is that quite?
1: It's really difficult. I think shrinking and cutting is a very uncreative and unproductive mm. thing. So I believe in really knowing what my budget is and right. trying to stay within it, and and also checking early. So I check quite early with production managers and mm. you know um, anyone who can give me, give me more knowledge on mm. because. Even if like, after a white card, so, uh, when you've done a white card, you present that to, mm. um, with the director to the company and the technical staff will be there, so whether it's a production manager or the technical director of the theatre. Right. Um, and, and you also get to meet or usually t- try to meet a few set builders that mm-hmm. can then quote for it. So the idea for that is that before you finish everything off, you get a little bit of an idea where you are at financially and and also sometimes they will introduce so the different set builders might introduce different ideas as in I want this massive sliding piece and one of them goes that has to be totally automatic Mm. you know and that will cost you and so and so much machinery and someone else will have maybe a different solution yeah and Then I can feel I can still cut quite easily because I'm still in a creative process. So again, I try to to really, unless the idea is really brilliant as it is and you can't cut it, Mm -hmm. I do try and get it into the right place. Because once you've finished it, so the last step would be to make a final model, which is with everything in it, every different scene, everything has Mm -hmm. to be has to be fully there if you then have to cut after that that, after that that's really tricky and Mm. just not a very creative process because Mm. that literally is take this out take that out out of that which leaves you with something that feels quite sometimes you can be lucky and it looks okay and sometimes it feels like something that's literally been ripped apart does not you know it doesn't make sense anymore Mm. some theatres with big workshops like planning early and might want to have costume designs a few, you know a month or so before mm. rehearsals start but um, I have to say most of the time nowadays especially the way the directors work is it's not really feasible anymore because people want to find out things try things out do you mean and and so right it's, they like to have as they much don't time have a, as possible. Yeah, it's easier with period because, you know, it is what it is and it's set and, and right. then it's more, that, it's more that the production and the actors have to grow into it. Yeah. If it's modern day, it's slightly different because you want people to first kind of find themselves and right. their characters and you don't want the costume to jar with mm. who they are.
0: So I guess they, they, the two roles of set designer and costume designer do fit really quite hand-in-hand. Like you come up with the, the concept, the design, and then you they kind of play off one another.
1: They do. And I mean their form for me in my head it always is this thing that they form one vision. Mm. So, um and that I guess that is why I like doing both. Mm. It has to be said though that, that it is I mean it's it's huge and depending on the show it's even bigger and mm. costume is very, very time consuming. So mm. the costume always is a little bit like the stepchild Mm. doesn't get much attention (laughs) gets far too little money Mm. I mean all of it gets a little money but it costs him really badly whilst it's actually um, the far more time consuming and more stressful job because also you're dealing with a lot of individuals lots of human beings that you go in, you know, every fitting with each actor is like, you have to totally kind of engage in them, you know, communicate, make them happy. You know, it's exhausting, absolutely exhausting. I
0: I guess, I guess for a show like, um, everybody's talking about Jamie, for instance, like the costume in that is crucial to Mm. the character and the storyline as a whole. You know, it's like, did the, did the set almost take a little back seat in that, in that production? Um, Later on, yes. Mm. I mean, a good thing is that is it is
1: that staggered sometimes. Mm. So the set takes the kind of, uh, you know, the first lot of your yeah. time, whilst you're not that involved in costumes mm. yet. And with Jamie, it was very much about kind of going along, Esteber, rehearsing, Esteban, because it was a new, new piece as well. Yeah. So finding the character is not just an actor finding his version of that character. Oh, yeah. It's actually creating the character.
0: Well, it is. You're, you're actually incredibly involved yes in in the creative process as a whole rather than just like your section yeah yeah
1: absolutely and i mean definitely later it took center stage and Mm. you know for a show of that size we obviously did it in Sheffield on a smaller budget, very yeah. small budget, yeah. <laughs> first. And that was kind of pretty full on. And then, you know, for the rest of it, it was m- much more full on. And I mean, generally, time-wise, if you look at it, mm. um, it's crazy to do both. Yeah. It, it really is. I mean, you know, it's not healthy. <laughs> Let's put it like that. <laughs>
0: this, I guess this is um, maybe an element we can come on to later is the whole, how do you balance it between yeah. that, life freelancing, all of that. But for now, we're hitting the rehearsal period. Yes. So are you going to rehearsals? Are you back here in your studio? What's your kind of role Um, at that stage? So, this is kind of, in a way, the interesting
1: thing about being a designer Mm. um, and that I kind of love is that I have this period where I'm mainly here, and and I mean, I do have assistants and, Mm. you know, so it's not always just me on my own, but it's very kind of intense and kind of quiet and concentrated. Mm. And then as soon as you go into rehearsals, it's a totally different thing. Then it's like masses of people, super busy. I mean, you have to like that, you know, so you have to like both in a way and be okay with both. But you definitely, in the first day of rehearsals, you would present the design to the entire company, and so there will be a model showing. You go through the costume designs with the cast, and then usually there's a read-through. So that's a really lovely, lovely day when everyone gets quite a, nerve-wracking, I imagine. Yeah, presenting
0: I mean, your like personal creative work
1: to all I these know. people and go. I mean, like I love it? it. I know that some designers don't like it because yeah. it also depends what kind of person you are. You know, a designer does not have to be someone who likes kind of. St- Standing in front of a lot of people mm. speaking because most of it is very kind of you know um, it's backstage yeah. it's behind the curtain.
0: Insular work.
1: I don't mind it. You know, I quite I really quite like kind of you know it's nice that moment yeah. where you can go like okay this is my bit and yeah. now I need you all on board. Do you, you mean? Yeah. And then it it depends off how much you're in rehearsals. It depends on the relationship with the director. It depends on what kind of um, process it is. Mm. To be honest, in this country we don't get paid enough really as designers to to be in rehearsal all the time so right. sometimes directors here go but in Germany everyone you know designers are always there why are <laughs> you not know there and you go well they get paid well <laughs> for you know so I have to really overlap in order to make ends meet you yeah. cannot just work on one show yeah. so, so the rehearsal time of one show will be the preparation time for another one I
0: see
1: so you will have you that's where some quite a lot of the stress comes from, mm. and so you have so you're dipping in and out. But there's a production meeting once a week in the rehearsal room, um, but that you would definitely go to. Um, I would obviously now also start set builder visits which could be anywhere in the country right. I would go the prop supervisors to mm-hmm. kind of look at what furniture they've found mm-hmm. and then costume starts and that will be a lot of meeting with the costume supervisor who will do all the fabric sample sampling or mm-hmm. you know all of those meetings and then uh, maybe two or three weeks into rehearsals you start with fittings Right. and depending on how big that, the show is you know that, that can be easily three four days a week full oh full. goodness it takes forever yeah, <laughs> yeah it takes forever <laughs> And then, and that's so. that takes you through the second phase, mm-hmm. um, which is that you know yeah. you were kind of all over the place, running. Yeah. And obviously, the interesting thing with design as well is so from the time when you were in, the, in your studio and you're trying to imagine all of it together, yeah, um, you would not ever have had that vision again. Everything gets pulled into different places so it's very it's uh, one of the trickiest things is as things are developing for you to keep the overall vision because one thing is made here the other thing is made there this costume is made by this person that that costume is dyed over here whatever I never get to see anything together at all it's all over the place and then it's only when you go into the theater and the period that's called the technical Mm -hmm. rehearsals um, and you go on stage, so everything comes together. So the set will be built, and I can see that obviously before um, the actors come, mm. you know, over a week or whatever that is, it's being built. And But then I won't be able to see it in um, the theatrical lighting until you start tech, and that will be a massive change yeah. again. So it's quite a lot of the last paint calls in order to finish things off. We try and schedule quite a way into tech because. I can't judge sometimes what I want or Mm. what the best thing is until I've seen it in the right lighting.
0: Well I guess I mean so when you're first designing it you you really have to think about what kind of lighting. Oh yeah no, I always
1: do I always I'm always really clear on what um, and I always meet with a lighting designer really early on so that they're very kind of aware of the of the kind of you know the feel that I want sometimes Mm -hmm. quite often like in Jamie a lot of the lighting is built in so you you know some of the elements like you know the ceiling lights up and the desks light up so some of those elements are actually in continuous collaboration Mm. yeah and the same with costume you won't have seen costume together Mm -hmm. And so that's, uh, yeah, very is, is there a large very element of just period. that tech tweet, just
0: going, please work, please oh, work, God. please and work.
1: And then obviously anything that needs to then be changed is very complicated mm. because, you know, you can't, for example, if a costume needs a massive alteration, you can't do that until the actor's out of it. Right. And then it has to be done really quickly. So
0: yeah. I'm guessing lots of late nights.
1: Yeah. God. I mean, it, Long tech, hours. <laughs> tech, tech goes until 11 anyway. And yeah. Then, yeah. And I said, so if you look at scales and you go, oh, God, that's tough. You know, people have to be in from 10 and we finish at 10. A designer would be there an yeah. hour and a half before and leave an yeah. hour and a half later. And you are obviously you're meant to be in the room or you want to be in the room all the time because mm. things are happening. Whereas a lot of people need your answer. So literally the minute the break starts, I'm off, like yeah. off from one department to the next. So you eat your food once you sit in the theatre <laughs> and in you know, a tech,
0: because the breaks yeah. are the
1: busiest bits for a designer, yeah, yeah.
0: Usually. So I guess just lots of thinking on your feet. Yes. Problem solving, all yeah. of that. Yeah. So you've survived tech week, you've survived press night opening night is that when you take a big deep breath of relief yeah I mean yeah. you know I mean
1: you still have previews as well which um we're getting because the tech they kept squashing tech as in <laughs> you're not actually quite finished by the first yeah. time the audience comes into the room so actually the previews can you know I mean you're still it, making
0: tweaks throughout previews. oh my
1: god yeah I mean more than <laughs> tweaks um yeah I mean sometimes quite big decisions what's um, the biggest
0: one you've, what's the biggest
1: you can think one? of I mean I've I've definitely taken whole things away doing a, a tech let me just think which one was it but I changed anyway yeah there are, sometimes they can be really big changes yeah. I mean I've I've had shows where I did a show, I'm not going to name it. But <laughs> I came in just as uh, on the on the night before our first tech day and mm. there was a whole massive element on the floor that had been made totally wrong, far too big. The, oh, they, no. they, they wouldn't have been able to rehearse on it. So they took the entire element, which affected a lot of other things that were happening in a set away, to remake. And we only got it back um, about two hours before, before the public performance. Oh my goodness. <laughs> And so nobody had worked with it. We hadn't finished lighting it. Mm. Um, I mean, a director had to come in in the beginning and say, you know, we only it'll only be lit until the, this mm. point. And then we finished it off in tiny little sessions in between performances. And that is painful. Oh, my goodness. That's I guess that's nice.
0: theatre for I know. <laughs>
1: So, yes. I oh, think the audience it? always seems to love it when there's <laughs> something not finished. You know but for People us, it's really awesome. People love awful. the
0: behind-the-scenes stuff. They, they love do. to go, oh, I yeah. Know little insight into how that's made i know, you know i know but it's
1: really it's really not nice to have to you know show something to a great number of people that mm. you are that you are not happy well i guess with. you're putting your name on it aren't you, you? do yeah so it's very personal actually. yeah I forgot what your original question was. Fine. Oh, Press Night, you said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's there is usually a big, of yeah. course, that's a massive relief. Yeah. And then I guess the one thing that is quite good about having shows overlapping is because obviously the thing is like, you know, with Press Night, mm. it's like, doing your A levels yeah. do you know what I mean <laughs> you've spent a lot of time hyping 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 yeah. hyping going you know and then boom it's gone yeah and you know so to keep your mental health going through those things yes. and not have a massive dip is quite mm. a difficult thing because there's a you know it's a lot of the uh, kind of creative team mm. we're done on press yeah. night this is it this is us done gone yeah. you know and um so it's quite a sudden and abrupt it is kind i
0: mean, of i guess it's it's the same with actors as well once the show ends you go yeah. you go from this huge um period of being close with a huge number of people you get to know people incredibly quickly yeah. you become like a family you do so mm. it's a very intense experience and then suddenly show ends press night happens for you guys that's it. Nothing gone. I
1: know. Yeah. It is
0: quite a um almost like vetching experience. It it you just got kind of set apart. Yeah. But no, I, I definitely see where you're coming from. Just like keep it up. <laughs> keep so, the level going. So, <laughs> so having a couple of meetings yeah. <laughs> a few days after is definitely it's a good, good is a good thing. So do you find yourself getting quite emotionally invested in a lot of the work you do? Yeah, very. It is a bit like um it is a little bit like having a child <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's a kind of you know because you live towards it you live towards it you, you I think if you don't invest yourself mm. emotionally in it I think you're in the wrong
0: wrong industry job. yes yeah,
1: yeah. And, uh, and they're kind of like when it's finished, it is like giving it away. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and obviously it depends on things you're more emotionally invested in, yeah. than others, sometimes it's because of the process, sometimes it's because of the story, yeah. and the story can touch you more maybe when it's very personal, as in you know it comes close to something you've experienced, or it can touch you when it's something you've never been that close to before, mm. and you become incredibly close to it. I did a show at the Royal court called Liberian Girl which was about child soldiers and I mean it was probably one of the hardest things I've ever worked on really? you know the research already but just really oh, getting goodness, into yes. into that is, you know it's um it's a proper emotional investment because mm. you you know you, you have to fully give yourself to that but it's like it's like a mini trauma you get from it <laughs> yes because you you know they are traumatic yeah um, things You've, you obviously you feel for their characters and you feel for the stories you're reading yeah um for your research and um and it really felt like you know something like that it feels like um you need to give yourself some time afterwards to yeah. get over it. Well I yeah. bet you've
0: got this pressure on, on yourself to almost do do the story justice and yes. do these people if it's based on true I know events you've got to
1: Yes. I had a I had a post show talk with that um show and in the front row of the audience were um two people who I thought they are from Liberia, they're from Liberia. And I was really, um, you know, and you kind of feel like oh, exactly that. Mm. And just the whole time I thought, like, I really hope that I've done yeah. this justice. I really hope that you're not upset with me. You mm. know, I really, I did try and give it everything. Yeah. And and they uh, raised their hand at one point and, and said how moved their way and how much the space felt like Liberia or whatever and that was the biggest compliment I've ever had yeah, in my that career been you know for for them to really feel that I had yeah I had really tried to um
0: mm. m- you know give it justice in their felt that I had so yeah. yes that do you a- do you have a preference when it comes to kind of I guess signing on to do a show like do you prefer new work or work that's been around for hundreds of years or I don't know I mean period pieces I I
1: actually I think one of the reasons why I'm in theatre is because Mm. I love the mix yeah and I love the challenges I also really feel that um, uh, you know the world is so full of different stories Mm. and so full of kind of contradictions and you know different I mean one of the reasons why I wanted to live in a different country to where I was born is because Mm. I think it's important for us to experience the other side yeah and um, and so I feel that's what I do um, with the different shows is that it's a, you you experience different sides all the time, mm-hmm. and I think in order to be I think a, a hopefully a person who um, will never get stuck and never kind of feel like I've just got one vision or yeah. I get very set set in my ways, which is something I'm kind of hoping never to be you need to keep shifting <laughs> yeah. all the time so I, I couldn't say that I prefer one or the mm. other actually I mean I do love new writing I love the idea of mm. doing something for the first time but I also love reinventing things mm. and I also even though it's the most stressful thing to do but I have worked quite a bit with people who um, do more divisive work mm. you know whether it's Lloyd Newsom from DV8 or Simon it. McBurney you know where you uh, and um where you might not know what it is until literally the day you open well I bet it's a completely different, <laughs> it's <process. totally> different. <laughs> and you have to stay very kind of just you know relaxed yeah. and with it Trust but that's that's a journey that's not a finished story that's yeah. a journey and you don't actually know where it's going to end yeah. um which is equally exciting so yeah
0: have you ever fat felt yourself almost being pushed towards one genre like almost pigeonholed and you've gone actively no, no i'm not gonna do yeah,
1: that not so much
0: luckily That's good. um i never
1: made myself maybe not consciously unconsciously part mm. of a group like part of the people who always work at the national always right. do this always do that because I guess as a as a migrant, I quite like being a migrant. Yeah. Today. I don't want to home in anywhere. Well, that's i the thing I'm very, you get to experience. More. I'm very happy sitting, you know, by yeah. the not sitting by the side. I just think, you know, stay a traveller.
0: <laughs> so, so let's talk about that. So you um, you were born in Munich, Munich, yeah. And what what made you decide to come over here to train? Um, I mean
1: a few different a quite quite a few different things Mm. i guess i mean i always kind of thought oh yeah i was always interested in england and i came here when i I was 16 i really wanted to go on exchange so Mm. you know it was all arranged and i came here and i really loved it it was just outside london Mm. and and i really fell in love with london with the diversity and the openness and Um, Was that quite different to Munich at the time? Very different to Munich at the time. Mm. I think, you know, Germany's changed a lot Mm. in the last 25 years, but it wasn't diverse when I grew up, just because there isn't that tradition, you know, there wasn't the same kind of colonial tradition, I guess. But I think also, you know, having grown up in Germany in the time that I did, which was still kind of a very... I grew up very conscious of the kind of the country's guilt and the country's past and... how you felt as a kind of descendant like it was something that you needed to carry really and, it, you, there was yeah, that huge pressure on massive your generation. pressure yeah and and i think so So i think the reason why i needed to go somewhere else is kind of you know it's got a few different strands to it i know that i needed to free myself from mm. that because you as much as i really believe in knowing your history and i believe that you know if we were better at remembering mm. our general human history, we would be better at, yeah. at the now and the well, future.
0: This is, well, this is it: is Future generations end up holding the, the guilt of past yes, generations, yeah. which, which personally, I believe, should not happen.
1: No, you shouldn't hold the guilt, and I think that's where the difference is. Mm. I do think you should be conscious 100%. of what happened, but the thing is that a guilt that is passed on to you uh, is, is totally suffocating, because you can't do anything about it, because it's not your guilt. Yeah, do you know And I mean? Well, and then,
0: I, I am mean, I'm, I'm almost shocked that to hear to hear you say that like I wouldn't expect someone of your generation to feel that yeah feel no, that no, pressure totally. but
1: then to be honest coming to England there was still a lot of I've still definitely had many conversations but that was thrown at me so really? it's not like yeah yeah yeah. Oh, or, or kind of if someone went out of arguments there was a lot of but we won the war which is good
0: completely.
1: Like, cheers that. <laughs> <laughs> no it was all so ludicrous but anyway. Oh, thank um you. but then also I think because of that and because of of kind of what happened in Germany in the kind of like inward looking and the nationalism and the you know and the um what happens when people feel frightened and scared by the, by the outside and the other mm. I I really felt like I I can't let my life be about that. I want to explore other cultures and i want to live somewhere else i want to take myself out of that in order to 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 learn to really live somewhere mm. else experience that culture and therefore be able to look back onto where i come from with that physical distance and i've ne- i've aw- i've never yeah. regretted that i've always really um
0: so this was you at 16
1: this was me at 16.
0: i mean yeah. that's astonishing just insight for a 16 year old to begin with <laughs> but that's a very impressive decision yeah, it was Just quite... Just go, quite I don't like where I'm at. Yeah. Like, in society or, or personally, and going to seek something else.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was very conscious. I know I mm. kind of now look back and think, you know, think similarly, like, wow, well, it was quite intense, but mm. maybe because I did feel so yeah. strongly about, you know, those things. And I really, and kind of living in London, and I've now worked in many, many different places, mm. and I always... So finally we come back to London and when people say, oh, you've got kids now, do you want to move to the country? So my my thing always is that London is the most diverse and most open place mm. I know in the world that I've been to and that is where I want my children to grow up. Mm. I you want, want them to experience that. I want that. them to experience that and um, I want that to be the kind of foundation of mm. who they are. Yeah.
0: So you came over here and you studied stage design yeah I you came did.
1: over I came over so after my exchange went back just at my a-levels was like this is after my A-levels so yeah. I'm going and so that was always clear and then I came back I applied for a foundation at Central St Martins and so okay. I did a foundation and, um, so and then
0: Central St Martins that's kind of the artsy school isn't it like I, I guess I know so. there's a lot of fashion There's a lot of,
1: I think on the fashion level, Mm. yes. I think there's a couple of kind of, you know, strands that St. Martin's Mm. very famous for.
0: But you enjoyed that programme?
1: I enjoyed the, I definitely enjoyed the foundation. I think Mm -hmm. that was brilliant. And it was, and the interesting thing was that up until the foundation, even though I'd done quite a lot of theatre at school and um, I have I always loved it but somehow I don't think at that point I was thinking I was going to go into theatre, I knew I didn't want to be an actor mm-hmm. and um, I've always loved drawing, painting mm. all of that and I loved I, I started making my own clothes when I was a teenager I love and you know was so that I love- something
0: your family passed down to you or you not just- at
1: all really apparently my grandma but I never met her <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah no all I mean seriously all through my kind of I think I was really young when I started making my own clothes so I loved all that yeah and 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 I loved kind of interior design all of these things so it's like wow give it to me you know foundation yeah. was amazing
0: well your parents just
1: like where did this child come from <laughs> a little bit yeah I mean my mom still says that now yeah. it's like I don't understand <laughs> yeah and then I remember when Mm. we had like a few days on theatre design Mm. within the foundation and it was literally like you know just a revelation was just like that is it that is totally it yes I I can marry all of these things together and I love I love stories I love imagining worlds do you mean and and I also knew that I wasn't the kind of artist who would just be in their studio come up with their own things work on their own create stuff I'm very much Mm. a people's person as well I love I love being with other people. Yeah. And I love for the impulse to be something that's that's just something. It can just be a piece of music. I don't mind, but yeah. I like the impulse. And I also um I I do work better on a deadline.
0: Yeah, <laughs> don't worry, we all do. <laughs> Night before.
1: I know. I need the pressure. Do
0: it. <laughs> yeah. So, you studied there and. Did that teach you pretty much everything you needed to know or was the practical lessons the the real (laughs) lesson? I
1: think it was good on a kind of like, you know, free creative um, Mm -hmm. level. I think on a technical level, I came out knowing very little. Mm -hmm. So I think uh, I was lucky with my my, um, brother's ex-wife is... uh, a set and costume designer okay. so she was always and she's quite a few old, years older than me so mm. she she kind of took me a bit under her wings so I went to okay. Germany quite a bit and assisted her and kind of got my first jobs right. in Germany through that and um, and she was always someone I could ask questions so that was really so good. you had that
0: mental figure which was I just
1: did I mean I, you know so I'm, I'm very thankful for that mm. and then in Germany I very quickly so I, I kind of even though I studied here and I didn't want to move back because of that connection I yeah. ended up all of a sudden working in Germany all the time and 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 I quite quickly did quite big things and that was really really stressful because mm. I I was definitely blagging my way through it But bit of imposter so, syndrome oh my god and there's just so much you need to know so I kind of I don't recommend that yeah. I wish it hadn't the time. been like that and then I really went like why am I doing this I'm living here I do not want to move back to Germany I'm working there all the time so mm. I very consciously moved things back here but at the time, people in England just whenever I showed my portfolio of everything I'd done outside England, mm-hmm. they just turned it as if it was blank pages. Absolutely no kind of if I if I don't know where it is, then I, then it doesn't exist. Kind really, of attitude. Really, they were that close-minded. Oh my god! Yeah. Oh. So I kind of started in pub theatres again, <laughs> oh. <laughs> which was quite tough after having done like big yeah. ballets and stuff. And um, no, that must have been. So it's like a double start. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but I, I guess kind of making that transition very quickly in Germany you actually are guessing the benefits of the situation you may have had more time starting more experience. again experience and and to be honest I financed yeah
1: being able to start here
0: right
1: by shows I was doing in Germany so I would yeah. literally you know I because I couldn't have worked uh, my way up here um financially I wouldn't have been able to I would right. have you know um, and so by doing by doing some shows in Germany, earning some money, mm. I was able to kind of start here with the payment you get on the, in so the fringe.
0: What do you think it was? They just were. Anti-Europe, or it was a different style of show. Or...
1: Um, I think. I mean, it's changed massively mm. since then. I have to say, but um, at the time, I definitely, when I first moved to England, it was so much an island. You Where? know, having having come from Munich, which is, you know, at the kind of cusp of many other countries. Yes. You know, you go, uh, you go and sit on a train in Munich and within two hours you can be in five yeah. different countries. No, it's you you much know. more sociable. So <laughs> what was going on in these countries was always like, you know, nearly like, you know, in your own place, mm. you know, you would go to Austria, for example, and see a show. Right. Absolutely. You do that. You go to France and see something. Um, so there's a different consciousness about, you mm-hmm. know, we would know Stone So a director who does right. something in France. You kind of, uh, now people know here, but yeah. at the time it was, it was very much like this is what we do and we don't so understand. So it was like
0: the theatre industry of Europe versus yes the British theatre yeah, industry. Insular. They were very yes. separate industries. Very insular here, yes. So was that quite tough then, really, yeah, really. starting again? And yes. How, how long did it kind of take you to kind of, I guess, let's say transition from off West End to bigger productions?
1: Uh, I mean I can't give you years but Mm. many years and then I guess the next problem I had was having children and that was met very I mean within my kind of industry and community whatever Mm. it was like well that's you done then isn't it? Really you've got that complete barrier shut down? Absolutely completely no question And I didn't actually have, I didn't do a kind of bigger show for the first seven years after I had my daughter. Right. And so kind of now people, I know that now people look at, you know, someone like me and go, wow, you know, she's kind of doing all this stuff and she's had a good career. Mm. And I was 43 when I had my actual breakthrough right so you know it took, time. <laughs> it took time I know so it's not it's not fallen into you know yeah but I have to say I mean I I am I, um, I'm part of um I'm an ambassador for PIPA parents and a carers in performing arts mm-hmm. because I do think that's a massive thing that has to change I wouldn't wish yeah. that attitude that I was met with on anyone and um and I think things are changing so that that bit was really difficult and not good I think so working your way up is not a terrible thing i you know i do think it's important to learn oh 100% yeah
0: and it, it, it i mean personally i just think it's important to meet as many people as you possibly yes. can learn yeah, all, yeah. everything you can from as many people it's not necessarily about paying your dues as people always say but yes you, you need to network you need like no you do you need to to be inspired by other people
1: yeah and it's absolutely but also I think it's a career where you know I know that there can be a little bit the attitude of like you know I've got ideas and I Mm. immediately need to do big things whatever but you know you have to you have to learn your trade and you have to you know those kind of professions are about building up a reputation about building up your way of expressing mm. and that isn't done over, um, you know, two years. That is something that, so, you know, the, um, when there's a kind of envy of people who have a certain place, only very few people who, through some kind of lucky incidences, mm. very quickly did really big yeah. things. They're the minority. Everything else is a really, is stamina mm. and it's it's kind of craftsmanship and talent. And, and I think in that kind of... <laughs> I know society that we live in now, where we think like it all has oh, to be instant. Culture. You know, mm-hmm. it's just it's it's not like that. You do have to. This is why I think if you want to go into into theatre in general, you have to have the stamina and you mm. have to. But I I think it's thrilling. I think it's brilliant. Mm. It is not just a negative thing. No. Do you, know what you mean? I um, I really value all the different experiences that I've made.
0: Well, I think as as far as I'm concerned, the the quicker you reach something the quicker you leave it. I know. And what are you going to do after exactly. that? <laughs> exactly. Well, like, because, because you haven't had time to build the appreciation for it no. or the, the enjoyment or the kind of the wins and the fails and the, yes. all of that, you haven't experienced the journey, therefore you can't no enjoy it no. as much. You know? And I
1: mean, the, the, the kind of one of the best things about being, I guess, where I'm now, what I'm really enjoying mm. is the experience. Mm. I I I really it's so it's so calming compared to before that mm. I can go no I know how this works yeah. and yes this can be done and I have a really good option for that you know that is just fantastic and I really believe in us you know your life being a journey and you're gaining experience and mm. knowledge and um, and then that is an amazing thing definitely
0: so just to bring it back to mm. the, those I guess seven years where you mm. had your daughter did part of you just enjoy those years and and or were you actively seeking work for those seven years? Like,
1: oh no, I was actively seeking work, and I mean, work. I guess I, you know, my my kind of creative output is very much um, part of my my mental balance. Yeah. So if I don't have that, I'm mentally not very balanced. Right. So and I had quite bad postnatal depression with both my children. Mm. So that in itself becomes something tricky. So it's not that I didn't enjoy being with them, yeah. but I needed I needed to have a balance. You the seeking was in a way more urgent than just yeah. I want to work and do something and, no, I do, I and, that. and earn money. But it was it was just you know I would get things, but it be really small and people. You know, it's interesting how at the point in your life. Where you have been given the biggest responsibility mm-hmm. you will ever have, because yeah. you're responsible for another human being's life. Yeah, the rest of society treats you like your child. Like, oh, you can't do that anymore, right. can you? I mean, how are you gonna do that? Mm-hmm. You know, people talking to you in that voice, I just like, are you crazy? Why? You t- what happened? I mean, have I lost a limb? Do yeah. you know what I mean? Why are you talking to me like I can't make my it's, own decisions anymore? It's, it's backwards, anymore. isn't it?
0: You've physically grown a human I know. being. Which is yes. astonishing,
1: and people are like, uh, "Yes, it's so patronizing." Nope. <laughs> and you know, if anything, and you, you probably find it with any parents you look at. Parents are the most organized people in the world, yeah. especially mothers. <laughs> do you know what I mean it's like they will tell you if they can do something or not? Definitely. And they will tell you when, and they will tell you how long it will take, <laughs> and it will definitely be done on that day, and it will yeah. be done on that day because they have no leeway; they just have to do it then. Yeah. And when you're not in a great place and you get constantly met with those things it's it's really difficult to kind of not let yourself you know believe that yeah. you're not capable. And I actually went off and did something else for a while. Oh
0: you did? What did you just, do? Which uh, was just
1: I set up this company with a friend making products for children. I love that. So um and it was and, and the interesting thing was that you know, I sometimes look back and go, was that a waste of time? Because, I, again, I invested so much time mm. and effort into it. But the reason why it wasn't is because I needed to go away from that negative place yeah. and from those negative attitudes, do something to make myself feel better about myself again. Mm. And to go back, and then all of a sudden, people went like, "Oh, what happened? She's all glowing and everything." Yes, because I, because yeah. I, you know, I was, um, I was doing something again. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So even though I stopped that all, because then you know, theatre took off again. But had I not done that, I'm not sure if I would have really but, been able to go back.
0: Well, th- I mean, this is a, a almost a, a bigger discussion in in the industry as a whole, isn't it? Um, balancing a creative career with mental health. Yeah. Because for for those who are still kind of working their way up or or finding it tricky to find work, you've got this wall you're facing. Yeah. So I mean I from what you've described it's exactly the same as what you've experienced um being a mother in the industry yeah. with postnatal. Like it's it's a very tricky thing to dig yourself out of. It is. And yes. It is in say to yourself it's not me. It's society. It's the industry, mm. which yes is a wonderful thing, but at the same time it can be so cruel. Oh, absolutely! And first you have to convince yourself, and then you have to yeah. convince everyone
1: else. So, and I think the interesting thing I think generally as a woman, you know, many places, but in this industry mm. definitely, and then as a parent again, it's I always felt like I can never ever fail. I can never make a mistake. I can never fail because all the eyes are watching. Everyone yeah. is going like, you know, it's like you have to prove that you. Can, I had to prove that I can do this profession as a woman, mm-hmm. and I had to prove that I can do this profession as a mother. Yeah. And you know, I'd be the first one there, the last one to leave. I would never show a picture of my children. I would never until my really, son that was, was an active six, choice Yeah. I would not mention that I had children. Would never talk about them oh my goodness, at all. That's heartbreaking. And it was a it was a male director who I was working with. Who has children as well, and he was the first person who I remember. I came in and he and I said, "God, I'm a bit kind of stressed." He said, "Why?" And I said, "Oh, my son is at home and he's really sick." And he said, "What are you doing here?" I went, "Well, you know, we have this meeting." He said, "You have a sick child at home, go home." And it was the first time that anyone had said something like that, and it was like, "Oh my God, I can't believe that." And he was so open; he would always ask me about the kids and how they're doing, whatever. And it's the first time that I felt comfortable. In a working one. So it's my son was six, so my, my daughter would have been ten. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's
0: such a human moment, isn't it? Yes. That you just want people to be yeah. able to do so yes. easily. But
1: and now, because I'm a, a comfortable in where I am, mm. I, I talk about them a lot, not because I need to, but because I, I now don't care anymore. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And people, I know I'm secure in my job, and yeah. I just wanted to become normal. You know, I wanted to be something that is
0: totally fine. Yeah. And, um, yeah, anyway, so... So what was that moment with that director, kind of the breakthrough moment for you, getting you back into he was He was, he was
1: actually path. one of the first people as well who uh, looked at my portfolio in mm. equal measures. Mm. And I remember going to that meeting and saying to my husband before, should I say that I have children or not? And mm. should I say that? My, my son was quite little when I met him. You mm. know, should I say that, whatever. And I decided not to. And it was his openness in the meeting where yeah. I thought, like, I think I can. And um, and that was definitely a turning point. It yeah. just gave me the confidence and the kind of, all of a sudden, also the, the, you know, it's it's crazy what people can talk into your head, that yeah. you actually feel it is, that it's something somehow shameful that you have mm-hmm. children. And I felt really guilty later as well, and just thought, like, why am I hiding them? They're the most important thing in my yeah. life. You know, I'm not hiding them anymore. Yeah. And we shouldn't ask people to hide them. No, and there's 100%. absolutely no reason mm. why you should not be a mother yeah. and work in theatre, I can tell you 100% there is no reason. <laughs> well, exactly. Look at you, you're doing it. <laughs> no, exactly.
0: But you know what? It's so it's so crucial to have discussions like this because I have no doubt that kind of thing still goes on. Oh,
1: God, absolutely. I mean, I do think it's better, but it does still go on. Yeah. I think also it's, it's a psychological thing. I mm. think, you know, as we both know, as women, we're still so programmed to many things that where we should actually go like hang on a minute oh, <laughs> do you no. know what I mean oh, no. and, <laughs> and somehow it's still there and I can see for example my daughter that there's some things that I still have to consciously go oh no no, no this is not okay mm. don't even occur to her anymore so yes there are changes yeah. as in she just won't even you know consider it um, or my son actually so so no I think these things are absolutely yeah. still going on mm. um, I do still meet young Female designers who say, "Oh, do I have to make a decision?" I can't believe I'm still hearing this Mm. now. You know, yeah. So no, we're not. I mean, we're nowhere near. (laughs) I think I think it's an element
0: of also um, just being a freelancer versus um, someone with, I guess, slightly more job security Mm. in a standard role, yes, whatever industry, because you you really do have to think about those things you do you know? and I mean I did several jobs where I earned less
1: than I paid the, for childcare yeah so you know if my hu- husband hadn't earned enough then yeah and wouldn't have been the kind of person who would never never for once question whether I should do that job then mm. do you know what I mean because that's the other thing that you then meet the question why are you even going to work why are you even doing this mm. if when if it's not financially profitable to yeah. us and so quite often women are put in that position where unless it's kind of profitable, then you can't do it. But what yeah. about you as a person? Do you well, this mean? is the
0: thing. It's, a, it's Profit does not just mean financial. No. You know, it means well-being. It means creativity. It means enjoyment. Yeah. It means so much more things than um, just yeah. are you making money out of it? Definitely. Which sometimes can be construed in this industry in particular, negatively in terms of people asking you to do free work yes. because it's worth the experience yeah. or it's an exciting project all oh, of God. that oh, yes <laughs> it's, it's it's a double-edged sword that yeah. conversation but yeah. it is do you enjoy being a freelancer and in charge of that or would you prefer like an in-house role no i do enjoy being a
1: freelancer i have to very honestly say that even though i think what has become really clear in the last few months maybe not i mean i've known this for a while but i think it's really brought it home is Mm. that being a freelancer will need to have more securities in the future you can't just be a free floating Mm -hmm. where nobody has any responsibilities towards you I do think there's something that has to change mm. because you know for example I don't I wouldn't have the option there aren't you know in this country there aren't kind of fixed jobs in a theater no. for a designer so it's not my choice necessarily so I guess what I like about being a freelancer is the fact that I go where the work workers and that like we talked before I love having new experiences and mm-hmm. moving around and and working in different groups so I wouldn't want to change that but, uh, what is difficult is that you know, in between you know, I might be working for four theaters at the same time whenever you're there, what their interest in you is that they want they want you for this, and mm-hmm. they want the best out of you, they want to have the maximum out of hours yes. out of you, whatever they will take whatever they can oh, and yeah. um, you leave the building you you're nothing to them. Do you mean you walk out? they don't care, do you mean that so if I would say. I still have five hours on this other job to do. They don't even want to hear it. Do you know what I mean because right. that's not meant to be part of me? Yeah, I'm only meant to be that little part that Your, they want.
0: Uh, they their resource
1: and that's absolutely that. which is very disregardful towards yeah. you know the person. And that doesn't even include you know that I have to go home and make dinner or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or what what would if something happens to me if I got injured? Do you know what I mean that right. wouldn't really mean anything to anyone other yeah. than
0: you myself do, and
1: my family? What you do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think there's something wrong in that. And there's something wrong in that in general, but there's also something wrong in that, um, because because theatres and, and productions want everything of you. And you can't want everything of someone. You can't want you mm. know, yeah, everything of somebody and not give anything back. Right. I think that's a massive problem that we have in our industry that has to change.
0: So I mean, I guess how how do we change that? Do we just have more respect for freelancers? So I think there has to be time? more
1: security for freelancers. Maybe like you have in the states. I, I don't see why someone who takes full profit of you should not be responsible in paying into a kind of something that has to do with, you know, what if I get sick or or kind of um, pension or whatever. Do you mean something yeah. that? And but I also think there has to be more regulation in in kind of you know, who says I should only earn this? Mm. And you know, basically the offers we get is this is your fee and mm-hmm. you need to be there for this and this and this and this and that ty- amount of time and you do the numbers and you're mm-hmm. literally below living wage. Right. And you go, Well how can you and so my feeling sometimes is okay if you if this is your fee and this is what you're saying you're paying me, you cannot demand for me to be there so for every single preview due to me. Is, it's is like is
0: there no body for people like yourself? stage designers, uh, costume designers, is there no body to kind of control that pay level? Not really.
1: I mean there's, you know, you've got two unions, there's equity and there's back two and Mm -hmm. we kind of sit a little bit in between and neither of them have ever really committed fully to supporting and understanding our roles right so they're very they're very kind of massive on actors or whatever yes. and we adjust a little sidekick and because what our profession looks like and the timeline and this jobs could not be more different to a, to an actor mm-hmm. so unless you really know what that is you can't be that helpful right. but then also you know the different bodies within theatre in this country kind of set those rates there is really not enough of a kind of looking into why they are what they are mm. and quite often these bodies like equity whatever agree to things that really shouldn't be agreed to right so actually my biggest support is my agent so I'm, I'm lucky that I mean I'm lucky that I have a very brilliant agent
0: so at the beginning of lockdown and when all these I guess changes started happening with the COVID virus you and I guess some of your friends in the industry started this collective, let's call it, scene change. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. I mean, it was probably a few weeks into, quite a few weeks into lockdown. Um, So obviously for all of us, work stopped from one day to the next. Yes. um, Internationally, as in, you know, um, actually it was first New York for me that that stopped and then Austria and then England. And so, you know, we were unemployed from one day to the next. It really means no work yeah. at all and no income at all and um, I think about I don't know it must have been five or six weeks into lockdown one designer sent an email out to a few other designers she knew and just uh, I think it was entitled conversation in strange times <laughs> and, um, and she literally just said I'm really lonely yeah. <laughs> and I really miss everyone and you know none of us like I, I've known her for years but not Massively, do you mean not very closely? And um, so she just said, Would anyone be interested to just have a Zoom? Do you mean? And so there was a small group of us who said yes. And Mm -hmm. I maybe knew two other people out of that group. The thing with designers is that we never work together because there's only ever one designer. I mean, sometimes, so I just did a show where I did costume and someone else did set and it's the first time in a long time that i worked closely with another designer and i really loved it yeah so it was funny because we had this group of people who kind of do the same and are a bit awkward (laughs) because anyway (laughs) but it was like literally that one zoom was like electric thing apart Mm. from the fact that i think for years within the industry and as designers we've known that we needed to get galvanized a bit more because there's so many so many issues so many things that are difficult and there's never really been a place for us to discuss that especially right. not a place for people who are really in the middle of their career mm-hmm. there's a lot of you know helping you know younger designers yeah. but actually you get to a certain point and there's not really that support yeah. there
0: you're like hello where's still exist <laughs> exactly
1: and i do also have questions and yeah. we <laughs> could really do with yeah just chatting about these things sometimes and for years with some of them, oh, we've been saying, oh, we really should, we really should. And then obviously the thing is that we're all so busy. Yeah, you know, we're so busy, happen. we in different places and so we can't, yeah, anyway. So I think the two things collided as mm. in a, a kind of like a history of a need to kind of meet more and kind of formally unite mm. with obviously the kind of loneliness of lockdown Down with Also, I think the kind of obviously desperation of the industry and Mm. the knowledge that, you know, sadly all of us even though we love what we do and we love the industry and we love, uh, you know, working in the places we work and not very happy with the conditions, Mm. you know, and kind of knowing that there is quite a big element of exploitation. Yeah you committing in a way that you shouldn't i mean i feel very guilty quite often towards my children because Mm. it's one thing if you say i have to go to work and i cannot be at your school play
0: yeah
1: because you actually you know there is a really important meeting and you do actually get money properly um then to say that and go but what for just to do someone else a favor who wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't think about me twice once I walk out of the door. And then all of a sudden the question becomes bigger, doesn't it? Where you go, what, what am I sacrificing these things for?
0: Yeah. It is just a bit of an expectation, really, though, isn't it? Like, yes, you're expected to be exploited. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And then you get kind of, you know, to, <laughs> to my age. And yeah. you go, I don't really want that anymore. And yeah. I don't agree with it. Do you know what I mean? And it doesn't make you feel good about yourself. And actually, you know, also you become far more clear about your value. I know mm. what I bring to things. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I'm really clear on that. And I know that the other you know, the other side knows what I bring to it.
0: So was it and quite hard learning to say
1: no? It it was I mean, yes, it's just purely, I guess, but m- again, more out of a power structure. As in, mm. I, what what obviously, you know, generally is the method is kind of, you know, we are needy. As in, we, you know, as you get along, you, um, you, you kind of want to build a career. You need work and you need money. Yeah. And you want to be, uh, you don't want to be not liked because you need the next job. Yeah. But in you know, that's how exploitation works, however. And so, what is really liberating is to get to a place where you go. No, I'm not just going to sell myself yeah. like that anymore. Do you know what I mean yeah. I'm not. And I'm not that worried about But and I'm not worried to say no to something that mm. isn't okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But you obviously have to get to a place where you um you are clear of your value, mm. I guess. Um and so yes, yeah, so scene change kind of um was uh, then kind of so we started meeting we mm. literally just from that one meeting we said shall we meet again and then it was very very quick that we really galvanized and meant, mm. and kind of a, I, think, I think as designers the interesting thing is that compared to a lot of other creative uh, professions within you know the creative team we work with a lot of people we actually have huge responsibilities for a lot of other departments right and so our we we counted it it during lockdown so if you have a design you're potentially employing 38 other professions so if for for example in lockdown people start going oh we maybe we just don't have designs anymore on stage to cut costs (laughs) that's not just a designer not working that is a dye not working that's a set builder not working that's a scenic artist not working that's a prop maker not yeah. working that's a, a, a pattern cutter not working that's a dressmaker not do you know what I mean so that's 38 professions yeah. you know hair, hair wigs wick, and hair makeup prosthetics special effects all lead back automations to the stage do you know I mean i mean it's, art, it's that's all and these you know these are all very skillful crafts Prof, you know professions really really it's skillful also, it's also theater it is
0: <laughs> like i mean if if all you've got is a stage and an actor yes i mean yes there boring. are shows <laughs> like that but boring <laughs> but the interesting
1: thing is that people love kind of talking about uh, you know Peterborough kind of kind of black box or yeah. whatever that was a designer yeah that was a designer's idea who designed it and developed it you yeah. know that wasn't just a no set <laughs> <laughs> question and it wasn't the director's <laughs> idea either yes and so I think what the first instance of what we did was setting up these kind of you know zooms to speak to all the different professions in order to kind of just have a place for people to communicate and to help with the kind of you know um, mental health and yeah. and, and loneliness and and that was fascinating just because we've learned so much about the different professions. Some of them, for example, who never had unions or associations before started forming because of these Zooms. And so the Zoom all of a sudden they all meet and they go, we have these problems, we need to talk to each other. And mm. then they would go off and form a group. And we had quite a lot of international Zooms, which was fascinating just hearing how, I mean, literally from India to America, yeah. you know, I mean.
0: And is, do you find similar issues are popping up yeah, in different countries? Yes
1: and yeah absolutely and then sometimes quite different but then the difference is really good to see do Mm. you mean someone something that we found really really hard you know um, the Americans would go that is nothing compared to where we are at do you mean so quite interesting then that makes you a little bit more go like okay well maybe I should be Thankful for what it what it is, and concentrate on something else. But I guess
0: it, I, I guess in that instance, it also gives the Americans an example of it does, what they can yes. strive for, yes. and vice versa with yes. other things. Yeah. And then
1: uh, obviously we did. I don't know if you saw the kind of tape installations mm. that we did on theatre. So that was very much a uh, a kind of. More or less a gift from us to the theatre, but it was all about yeah. just um, these empty buildings and yeah. kind of trying to make make the make the public aware as well of what's going on. And I think one of the things that has really come out as as a big problem for theatre um, and why we get so little sympathy and understanding, I think, in mm. the in the public, because it's quite quite hard to be. Out of work, really worried about not knowing where money comes from, mm-hmm. you know, having two children at home and then people around you going, You're not actually necessary. which you <laughs> mean? we don't need yeah, well, you're just playing a bit anyway, so which why is, should I be sad about you not having a job? Yeah. Do you know what I mean it's like it's the same you know, I I need to feed my children the same as anyone else yeah. does. So that's just on a very basic level, I, mean, I that, guess. It's
0: astonishing almost that lack of sympathy, considering it is how many people tend to forms of entertainment yeah. in general over over um lockdown and and yeah covid like that stemmed from theater
1: <laughs> oh my god you i know? Mean, you know netflix i think netflix actually supported one of the they did the, yeah. yeah because because uh you know samanda said exactly that as you know yeah. half of these shows and half of the actors and anyone you know all the talent and that wouldn't exist if it wasn't for theater exactly. training them up it,
0: it's 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 a very easy thing to dismiss as unnecessary, but especially like, I mean, growing up in England and and doing an English degree and stuff, British theatre is so integral to who we are as a country. I
1: mean, you just need to look at the West End now, it's dead. And people are really worried because yeah. you know the nightclubs, the restaurants, the taxis—none um, of them can exist in the same way ever yeah. again. If theatre wouldn't be there, exactly, because they it's all feed off of, all it. of it. So, um, but it's strange, isn't that? That kind of—I think already the kind of thought of what makes you dismiss another human being. I mm. don't really—I mean, I don't eat meat, for example. So I could say, well, what's the point of a butcher? Yeah. You know, I don't get it at yeah. all. Like, pff, they're, that they're not necessary. Yeah. I'm still able to have empathy and to understand another human me- being's need do yeah. you know what I mean I, I, I would never say that yeah. it's very strange but I think one of the problems we have in theatre is that we have this kind of weird thing of going you know where the uh you, you've got the curtain and everything behind it is secretive mm. and because it's secretive people don't know about yeah. it and so th- that's why people don't know what a I don't know what uh, you know a hair makeup person really does yeah. or stage manager really does a flyer. I think people would be <laughs> fascinated I think a lot of young people would see far more opportunities and professions yeah. in theatre if they knew what they were. Because exactly. you know, if you think about it, um, that you could become a carpenter and think, okay, well, it's a bit boring, I might just do cabinets. You mm. could also become a theatre or film set builder, which yeah. is really exciting. But most people don't know that a carpenter is
0: that. Exactly. That's carpenters or that's a it's welder.
1: Do you to mean yeah. or
0: you know It's almost like we want to invite people in to the theatre industry and see it for what it is. Yes. You know, it's like when you're in it, you're in it, and you you know all the ins and outs and you know the lingo and all of that. Mm. But it is, it's almost like a little secret society, isn't it? It is. And if, if people don't know about it, they don't want to know no, about and it. No, and know? it's difficult to have sympathy. So I think it's it's something we really,
1: that's why we're hitting quite a lot of problems yeah. now. And so I guess with Scene Tentra we've been thinking a lot about how you know, um, how we can reach people and how we can maybe change the perception. So there are Mm. many different kind of ideas in our heads. And then I guess as designers, so that's one thing. It's like, you know, more of a general thing. Um, uh, But then the other thing also is that interestingly enough within the industry, hardly anyone knows what we do as designers. It is incredible. Even people you've worked with for years, not really, you know, especially not the bit that I do here yeah it's because it's that's why we get paid so badly because what we do here nobody sees how many hours that is so you can just put a bit of a price on it right do you know what I mean other people professions that come in and sit down and they're on their computer yeah. and they're doing it whatever you they go like wow I can see what they're yeah. doing and it looks really hard and I don't understand that program they're working on whatever so yeah. you know surely that must cost something yeah and, um, Whereas, and like a, if
0: they were here looking at your 3D printers, yes. and seeing you saw out little miniature things, they'd be like, oh.
1: Absolutely, completely <laughs> and utterly. So I think there's another thing about about just raising the profile of mm. the profession, which I think uh, is needed in order to to protect our ideas more, because our ideas quite often get kind of transferred to someone else's name. So that's one really important thing. And the other thing is pay. You know, if you don't really see what someone does, then mm. it's easy to not pay them properly. Mm. Um, so I think that's another thing that we want to do with Scene Change is just really um, highlight the profession a bit more. Right. And work on diversity, for example, yeah. because it's, it's, it's you know, British theatre or theatre in general it, it is not diverse enough and design really isn't. What, and, does it favour men? Uh, no, I think uh, it used to. I think that's actually quite levelled mm. now. No, it's too white. Yeah, not many people of different backgrounds right. come through. And I think, I think the problem is kind of before university. Mm. I think that the problem is that so many people don't realise that there are professions. In, yeah. In uh, in the industry and the bad pay, of course. Mm-hmm. Do you, know what you mean it's like you 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 either you have to be privileged or you have to work other jobs at the yeah. si- same time, whatever, or you can't do it. So I think these things have to change. That's why pay has to get better as well yes. in order to o- open it up. And and we're kind of hoping to work more with sometimes even primary school, but definitely secondary school yeah. to just go and speak to people of that age and yeah. just kind of bring in an interest yeah
0: and just go yeah well so this is what we do
1: and yeah it is to, an option exactly you know? yeah so there's a lot of work to be done there we all
0: know well that. it sounds very exciting and mm. fingers crossed that we can get the message out far and wide you yes. Know? yes definitely so as you're kind of talking about your career as a stage designer is connected to so many others from what you've said so far like a lot of your job is managing a mm-hmm. lot of people so as part of your process, you are connecting with different people every day. Mm. You've got set builders, you've got design... Um, costume, costume makers. Costume makers, yes, all yeah. of that. Is it you who brings them on board? Is it your network or do other people? Um, it's a mixture. I mean, the, m- the longer you work, the more
1: you obviously ha- build up s- yeah. certain relationships. And so they're definitely people who... Um, and I've got an associate, for example, who I've worked with for many years. You know who works here with me and mm-hmm. on different shows, and I have a, a few costume supervisors. So the costume supervisor is the person who kind of translates what I draw. Right. So um, they overtake the entire managing mm-hmm. of the making of the costumes, mm-hmm. and that's a very personal relationship yeah and so i i have a, a couple of people i totally love mm-hmm. and i will take them everywhere yeah. so unless unless there's someone in the house i can mm-hmm. take them production managers again who kind of uh, organize the entire yeah. make in a way you know if i can i i would work with them other creatives you know quite often i'm asked which lighting designer i would want mm-hmm. to work with so yes you kind of and even makers you know for costume for example the my supervisor will go okay well you you have this dress here don't you think so-and-so would be good to make that Mm. and you've got so -so many men's you know what about this tailor and so the more you know so i can go like yeah i think they they are that's totally down there Mm. kind of or sometimes you might think of someone yeah so on one hand it's brilliant when you the more you get to know people and you can kind of it's like a library Mm (laughs) you know people and skills. Get through your Rolodex. <laughs> yes, and I love that as well. And it's lovely to see people again. It's really, it's really nice that when people do a good job for mm. you, that you can, you can keep, you know, going back to them. I think there is so much about. I feel so thankful to all these amazing craftspeople who make. What I design, brilliant. That you, if you can, if you can go back to them and keep giving them work, that's yeah. really fantastic. And then obviously, some, then a lot you get
0: suggested, yeah. you know, that you haven't worked with before. Mm. And that's how I guess you build up your yeah. library. So I mean, I take it so far that managing people is actually quite a large part. It's a massive part. Of of I job. think it's fifty percent.
1: So mm. I, I would say, you know, t- um talent, you can't get around that. <laughs>
0: so I can never be a stage designer. I can barely draw a stick man. It's not gonna it's not happen. Not
1: necessarily the drawing actually. There's lots of different ways of doing it. But I do think it's just so highly competitive. Yeah. You know, I do think that isn't necessary, sadly. I think stamina, mm-hmm. absolutely, and you have to you have to be okay with the lifestyle. Mm-hmm. You know, if if that's when I go and talk in schools, as always, one of the main things I say to people, and sometimes teachers look at me a bit like, "What's she saying?" Yeah. But I think I always say, "Look at what the everyday life is of that of of a profession that yeah. you're interested in, and then and then think if you can live that." Yeah. Do you know what I mean that's really important? So I think that's an important thing. And then I, de- I definitely think people skills, diplomacy, mm-hmm. you know, it's like 50% of what yeah. I do is negotiate all the time and navigate different yeah. characters, different people, different skills, different, you know, a set builder is a very different kind of person to a dressmaker, yeah. you know, and so on. So, Actors are very different creatures. The dancers, for example, yeah. or opera singers. What do you mean so? So you can design whatever you want. If you're not able to to translate it and mm. to kind of make people understand why it is you want it like this, yeah, and really get the best out of them. I and I really believe in if you want to get the best out of people, you need to you need to let them own it mm. somehow. You need to really um, appreciate their skill and ask you know make them make them feel like firstly you need to appreciate what they do for you secondly you need to um give them space Mm. to put their own kind of heart and their own skill into it yeah and that is how you get the best out of people because they will be happy they will want to do the best they can possibly do yeah if you're a bully, people will only ever just do the minimum for you. Oh, goodness. Do they do whatever they, need to, they need to do in order to not be shouted at, do you know what I mean? <laughs> so I think it's the most idiotic principle, yeah. you know, you can possibly yeah. have.
0: No, definitely. Would you, I guess, be able to summarise some of the most important lessons you've learned along the way?
1: Uh, most important lessons? Yes, I mean, Steph, that's definitely one of them, as in, you know, treat people well. Also, you will meet them again and
0: you will, you know, (laughs) treat them badly. You will want to
1: meet them again. (laughs) Also, it's so nice to have a good time with people, you know. And this is again, you know, as a freelancer, you're kind of, the whole point of it is that you're creating your work environment. So, create something you want to, you need to create what you want to meet every morning. Exactly. That's what you need to create. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think, you know I do think learn as much as you can along the way mm-hmm. I always think that you know assisting and again that's something we're fighting for with scene changes that there will be more hopefully more money in the future for assistants and associates I think learning your craft is a really important thing and mm-hmm. learning from other people is a really brilliant thing. Mm-hmm. And it never stops and you should never feel like you're less of a designer if you're still learning. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I like I said, when I sometimes uh, am able to share, you know, certain costumes with someone else, one of the most amazing things about it is that I'm learning from the other person. Yeah. I still learn now from other people and yeah. every time you learn something, it's like... Well, you gain, don't you? Yeah,
0: I mean, everyone's got a different view of things. Yes.
1: They? I think you should not uh, shirt the journey. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's really important. And it's really, um, it is a totally different thing to get somewhere and know that you've earned it. Mm-hmm. You know, when I had my first kind of nominations for anything, yeah. and I never thought that I would be nominated for anything. Yeah, I think the most the best thing about those moments was that I felt like I knew I'd earned it. Do you mean? It wasn't something where you go like, Oh, that's really nice, but yeah. I feel a bit cheeky, yeah. do you mean? Because I haven't really done anything. It was really nice to go, no, that's okay actually. And yeah. therefore I can accept it and I can be proud of it. And I don't have to be shamed and I don't have to do to mean yeah. I can just really um
0: Yeah. So, Enjoy it. Yeah. Yes. No, hundred percent. I think um so Would that be the thing that you say to someone starting out just appreciate the lessons and and the experience you get along the way yes definitely and meet people you know i know it's so
1: difficult to break into it but you should just i mean you know um seeing things and then writing to someone because you liked what they've done Mm is you know that personal touch is always quite important and you do again. Stamina does come into it there as well, as because, because you will need it later. Like you know, someone like me, if I have people send me emails mm-hmm. saying they want to assist or whatever, um, you know, of of course there are a lot, and um, and so you know that you have to kind of choose and make sure that there really is there really is the interest there, mm-hmm. and um, you can tell very quickly if someone just wants to have the yeah. fast journey and. Um, and as much, for example, as I don't think is right um, that we work very long hours or whatever, we should be working like everyone else, mm-hmm. but the reality is that that will happen. Mm-hmm. And so there are people who kind of come come from like, I'm going to be there from 10 to 4, and there are yeah. people who are just there, and they might never be there for longer than 4, but in their mindset... yeah. They're there because a job needs to be done and they'll yeah. do it. Do you mean? Yeah. And that's a mindset thing. So I'm not saying I'm asking people to work long hours at yeah. all. It's just you can sense whether that mindset is there. Yeah. There
0: needs to be a love for what you're doing. There needs
1: to be a love. And then and you know, and the people who've worked with me the longest, um, there's one associate I had for many years and she's now doing amazing stuff <laughs> on her own and us together actually, which is very nice. Good. Um, and she was so persistent, mm. you know. She wrote a few times, and then she came to say hello in the studio, and I had many people work with me, no space whatsoever. Yeah, and she said, "But can I just come? Can I just can <laughs> I just sit? <laughs> can I just come and just be there?" Yeah, and it's literally how she wheeled her way into it. You know, it's like I couldn't say no to someone just wanting to come. I said, "But I feel really shit because I haven't yeah. got." money, I yeah. keep spending more money on these other people, and I would obviously, I, 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 I'm I pretty sure, paid for her journey, I always made her lunch, never mm-hmm. had to eat, you know, <laughs> buy any food or whatever, it's like, that's the only thing I could do, and then of course you're kind of like, fall in love with someone, yeah. do you to me, and they're brilliant, yeah. and they're dedicated, and, and we worked together for years, mm. but this, it's that dedication, yeah. do you to me, it's the kind of really putting, you know, yeah, so if you wanted, you, you know, it you need to work on it.
0: Definitely well there we go then advice for pretty much every element of yes, <laughs> a career <sorry>. <laughs>
1: <long>. <laughs> no we love it we love it
0: and thank you so much for your your time and your insight i'm sure there'll be many people out there who um, are very appreciative of myself yeah, including no, i love doing it <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of the Good, Bad, Mad podcast. Please subscribe to check out the next episode or leave a review if you liked it. You can find us on Instagram at goodbadmad or at goodbadmad.com for additional resources and information. See you next time.